0: You know, between him and Kofi Coburn, who I still don't know how that is his last name, but it is. Frankly, I have absolutely no idea who Grand Canyon's best player is, nor am I going to look it up. That guy obviously saying something he's never done before. I got no idea what I'm doing. No, but we're learning. We're learning more every single day. For that, we're very thankful. What's up, everybody? It's Friday, March 26th. Going to talk a little National Football League quarterbacks today. But before we do, March 26th is uh, a day full of sports anniversaries. I follow one of those Twitter accounts that tells you, you know, it shows you video from on this day. So there's a few of them I want to touch on before we get going. Uh, March 26th, 1979. So it's now been 42 years since Bird v. Magic Part 1. Uh, obviously, we know there were a lot more parts, but, you know, Bird and Magic, probably the the best individual rivalry in a team sport in the last 50 years, right? I can't speak to, you know, Russell and Chamberlain and those guys, and it's hard to find video of those games in color. So I think that's too old for me. But Bird and Magic, I mean, what a rivalry. How rare is it that you see two guys in college that then go ahead and do it again in the pros. Meet that many times. Great. Uh second second March twenty sixth note. March twenty sixth, two thousand five. So that was sixteen years or so says the calculator. Uh Darren Williams in Illinois. Come back from, like, what, 15 down with, like, four minutes to play against Arizona. Back when they used to play the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight on college campuses. I think that one was at DePaul. Just rocking. I wore mid-calf socks because Darren Williams, full disclosure. I thought I was as good as him, too. You know, I thought, hey, pass the rock a little bit, make some threes, get the other guys involved, go play point guard in the NBA, right? Can't be that hard. And here I am, making a podcast. Anyway, third anniversary, March 26th, the best anniversary. It has now been 24 years since Darren McCarty turtled Claude Lemieux on the ice at Joe Louis Arena in what is probably the best hockey fight of all time. I don't think there's a better one. Quick backstory, Claude Lemieux, cheap shots Chris Draper the year before, breaks his face. He literally broke his face. Well, McCarty got a whole bunch of revenge the next year. Wings won the Cup that same year, a couple months after. I think they... No, they came back and won that game, I'm pretty sure. Um, first of four Stanley Cups in 11 years. They lost 7-1 last night. All right, moving on. Let's stay in Detroit since there was a uh, a rather large quarterback development that came out of the Motor City. couple of... I don't even know when. Months, weeks ago? Seems like weeks. Yeah, early February, late January, somewhere in there. Uh, Lions traded Matthew Stafford to the Los Angeles Rams for Jared Goff. And that is one of the quarterback issues, things, I'm going to talk about today. The other two are Andy Dalton, QB1, according to the Chicago Bears Twitter account, and then we'll close with a little Carson Wentz from Philly to Indy, and we'll share some North Dakota State stories. But I want to start with Stafford. Um, he's the one that matters the most to me of these four, I guess you would say, or, or golf would be, I guess, now at this point. But, um, you know, it's been, it's been almost two months since we've been able to kind of, you know, take a step back and really think about what, it means that Matthew Stafford no longer is a Detroit Lion. And I want to I start by saying this, and before I go any farther, Matthew Stafford is the best quarterback the Lions have ever had. Certainly in my life, I know people like Bobby Lane, but, uh, you know, the numbers don't lie, right? Numbers never lie. Numbers never lie in sports. They never lie. And Stafford's got all of the numbers that are impressive. I mean he really does. I'm I'm clicking and cheating so I can have him up right in front of me because I I was not going to memorize that he has thrown for 45,109 passing yards in 165 games. Um but here's the thing about Matthew Stafford, right? And I like him. I've I've loved him. He Matthew Stafford led to some really exciting Sundays in Detroit. But that's it. That's it and if that's too critical for you then I'd stop listening right now because the fanfare and the response to his leaving I I don't think it's warranted and you know that's not to say that he didn't have the most successful career in Lions' history from the quarterback position because he did. So I guess by that standard, you want to do something that, you know, feels like it honors the the player, the player gives back. And and as far as you know, this is gonna be just a football talk because as far as community goes, Stafford is, you know, cream of the crop what he's done for the city of Detroit. I think it's the Say Play Foundation with Mitch Album. They've done great work. He's been a fantastic ambassador for both Detroit, the state of Michigan in general. Um but as quarterback of the Lions, and that's how I'm going to choose to evaluate him in this moment. Three playoff appearances, all three losses in the first game. The first one was what? 2011. Um, the Saints. I remember watching that game in my college house with my roommates. Great fun, not great fun. Lions got blasted, from what I remember. Uh, after that, it was what? It was it was Dallas and 14, I think. Pass interference. Not called. The single greatest moment of Brandon Pettigrew's Lions career never actually happened, according to NFL referees. And oh my, what a week it was for referees. You guys, you know, a lesson you learn in broadcasting that really should be has, uh, spread out throughout the whole world. If you've got a microphone on, assume it's live. All right? Don't say that you called a penalty on the Wing or Nashville rather, because you wanted to even things up. You you know, all right, come on. Anyway, back to Stafford. Last playoff appearance was uh, 2017, right? Yeah, 2017. Seattle. I remember watching that game. I had I'd driven back from uh, a funeral that day. And, um, you know, I get home. And I think, you know, whether it was the first drive or the second drive, I remember, you know, it was in Seattle. So, you know, you're not giving the Lions much chance to begin with. But Golden Tate dropped a pass, like, over the middle of the field. It might have been third down. It might not have been. I You know, I don't have it in front of me. But I remember thinking, all right, Lions aren't winning this game. And that was ugly. That game was ugly for a while, right? Low scoring, at least early, from what I remember. And another Lions loss. So since then, right? So since then, the Lions went nine and seven in twenty seventeen. Since then, they've gone six and ten. I actually don't know what they went nineteen, because I'm just looking at Stafford's numbers. So Stafford went six and ten, three, four, and one, and then five and eleven, which can't be right because I don't think he finished the season this year. But regardless, so in Matthew Stafford's tenure in Detroit. Of the times that it appears he played, you know, 16 games or most of them. That would be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. We have a winning season in 11. A winning season in 14. And back-to-back winning seasons in 16 and 17. A nine-minute farewell video. While I recognize the significance of the number. I just, you know, I watched it and I I felt the emotions that I'm sure a lot of people felt and then I walked away and I said, man, what the hell are the Lions going to do when they get a quarterback who stays and actually leads them to a Super Bowl? Going to be a lot more than a nine-minute video, I suppose. And again, that's critical and he probably doesn't deserve all of that criticism, but the reality is when you're a Lions fan... You can choose to be happy with the playoff appearances, or you can choose not to be. You can strive for something higher as if you're going to have any control over it, which you're not. I'm somewhere in the middle of that, I suppose. So again, while I recognize his accomplishments are noteworthy and are important and should be celebrated in the history of the Lions franchise, I don't think that they are now crippled as an organization without him. How's that? We get Jared Goff. When I say we, I mean the Lions and all Lions fans listening to this. Jared Goff has won two playoff games in an albeit short career in which his defense was far better than Matthew Stafford's ever was and went to the Super Bowl. So, you know, I think for Goff and and most Lions fans are probably in the same boat. It's one of those situations where like, well... You know, we're drafting seventh, and there's like eight million quarter. God, so many mock drafts. I read a mock draft yesterday that had quarterbacks going in the first four picks. Guys, that's not the way NFL executives think. So if Justin Fields is there, if Trey Lance is there, if Zach Wilson is there, I don't think all three of them are going to be there. But if one of them is there, and you don't take them, if you're Brad Holmes and MCDC Motor City Dan Campbell, I think you just leave it up to a really good career from a guy that you should have drafted that you didn't. <coughs> Drew Brees. Sorry. Something in my throat. Um, and we're right back where we are 20 years later, still without a playoff win, still without any real semblance of organizational consistency. But anyway, I'm excited for golf. I think the move makes the Lions... Uh, Makes them way different, right, in terms of the way that they're going to uh, to operate. You know, I love the stat that Matthew Stafford leads the NFL in fourth quarter comebacks since he entered the league in 2009 with 31 of them. That's fantastic. That's great. It's a hell of a lot easier to lead a team in fourth quarter comebacks when your team is down in the fourth quarter most of the time. It's just a fact. Nothing against Stafford. His team was not very good, and that is not his fault. The team Jared Goff is about to inherit is not very good, or at least they weren't last year because it's going to be a different team, obviously, and we've seen that already. And I think that, you know, that's that's going to be kind of the the theme with all of these quarterbacks that are shuffling spots. And for Goff, you know, no Marvin Jones, no Kenny Galladay. You got TJ Hawkinson back. That's a nice tight end weapon. You could Draft a weapon at seven. You could look at a wide receiver. You could go Devontae Smith. You could go Jamar Chase. You could go Jalen Waddle, although I don't know about that one. Or you go Kyle Pitts and then just make every Lions fan, every NFL fan, laugh at Detroit again. Two tight ends in the top eight picks and what is it, three drafts? Four drafts? I don't know. They all blend together for me, Lions drafts. Feels like they took Jeff Backus yesterday. Is he still playing? Might as well be. Um, anyway, I don't want to spend this whole time talking about the Lions and the Rams. I think that it's a it's a move that benefits both teams. Los Angeles is going to be a sexy Super Bowl pick. They should be. They've got great weapons. They've got a, a above-average quarterback now and a real good running game. Cam Akers looked real good to close the year last year. So you love the move if you're a Rams fan. If you're a Lions fan, it was time. No doubt about it. That's how I'll close it. It was time and you wish him the best. You hope Goff is King Midas, and he touches the offense. It turns to gold. More likely, the Lions are going to go 5-11 and and wish they'd taken a quarterback if they don't. Anyway, moving on. Andy Dalton goes from Dallas to Chicago, where he is very clearly the starting quarterback. Or the social media guy needs to be on, or girl, social media person needs to be uh, in better uh, communication with the organization. Because the Bears sent out a tweet the other day of Dalton And put QB1 on it. Well. I don't know. As a Lions fan. That does not scare me. If I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. Fine. If I'm a Minnesota Viking fan. Fine. You know if you're Dalton. You're going from a team where. You had Amari Cooper. CeeDee Lamb. And Ezekiel Elliott. Allen Robinson's good. If he's there. Which I think he is going to be. But maybe not. If not, Dave Montgomery's solid. But if Andy Dalton couldn't lead the Cowboys to the playoffs when it was on a silver platter for him, how is he supposed to then go ahead and lead the Chicago Bears to any kind of success in a division that is far more difficult than the NFC East? And maybe that's what the Bears are hoping. Maybe they hope that he doesn't have any success and They have a bad pick, or a bad year, and and a good pick, and they take Cade McNamara out of Michigan, first overall, huh? Huh? Anyway. Um, The move is uh, not Mitch Trubisky, so I think it makes sense for Bears fans, for the Bears, period. That was uh, just as much as it was time for Stafford to leave, I think you, you know, there's something to be said for pro sports executives who are able to realize that they made a mistake, cut bait and move on. Because far too often that does not happen. You see guys just double and triple down on guys and hope they're the right thing and it just doesn't happen. And and, and you know, the guys who are in these bad situations that can then go get other jobs. The change of scenery does him well. The name that comes to mind right away, and I know that Miami didn't hang on to him for, you know, ever, but Ryan Tannehill, right, did not look like a guy who was going to be in the NFL for several years, despite the fact he was a first-round pick. Big guy, big arm, Texas A&M, you know, he's got the the whole nine yards as far as, like, what you're looking for in a quarterback. Good size, appears to have good leadership abilities. Didn't work in Miami at all. Terrible. Tennessee, much different story. Derrick Henry makes things different. But I think that, you know, for the Bears and letting go of Trubisky who I I, you know, you got to be thrilled if you're Mitch Trubisky to be in the situation you're in now. Going to Buffalo, there's going to be no expectation on you whatsoever. Um, you know, just back up Josh Allen if he gets hurt. Don't go outside your comfort zone. There's a lot of weapons. Just throw the ball to 14. Feed Stephon Diggs and go from there. But Dalton to the Bears, I think that that is status quo. I don't, you know, whether it's an upgrade over Trubisky, I guess time will tell. If it is, I think it's a minor one at best. Which brings us to not number eleven, Carson Wentz. And before we get into him, how about Michael Pittman, Jr. standing his ground? Wentz gets traded. From Philly to Indy, he's worn number 11. Hell, he might have worn it at Bismarck Century. He wore it at North Dakota State. He wore it with the Eagles. And Pittman just goes, no, bro, I'm not giving it up. I respect that a lot. You know, stand your ground, especially for someone coming in like Carson Wentz. It's not like he's walking in there with an NFL MVP. But, segue alert. There was a time when it certainly looked like Carson Wentz was about to be the MVP of the NFL. Early on in that Philadelphia tenure, the dude was dynamite. Second season, right? So he goes in the 2016 draft and plays as a rookie. And then that second year was money was money in that 17-18 season, if I remember right. When he's diving in the Coliseum against the Rams, remember it was Wentz against Goff. They had gone one two in that draft, uh, Goff to the Rams, obviously, and, and Wentz to the Eagles. And here we are in a late in a late uh late season matchup. Playoffs are borderline on the line and Wentz is having a year and then he gets hurt. Torn ACL has not been the same since, right? Eagles were 11 and 2 when he got hurt in 2017. When with Wentz playing, they would go 17, 21 and 1 after that point. So clearly, you know, you make the change, which they do. They trade him to Indy. And you know, Wentz Wentz is a guy who is just not used to failure, right? Wentz came into North Dakota State and full disclosure, you know, I I I don't I wouldn't say I know Carson. I think if I stopped him on the street and told him who I was, he'd probably remember. I worked with him pretty closely for about two and a half years. So, you know, Wentz in in Fargo, when I was there, my first weekend working was his first college start. And if you know, if you're a if you're an Eagles fan or if you're a North Dakota State fan, you know about the name Brock Jensen. But if you're not, you might not. Carson Wentz took over at the end of three straight national championships for North Dakota State. So the expectations on his shoulders when he was in college, which you can scoff at them and say, ah, it's FCS football, it doesn't make a difference, who cares? Expectations aren't real, he's not playing on Saturday night in the big house or in the swamp or something, it's just the Fargo Dome. My God, if you are a college football fan, go see a game at the Fargo Dome. Go tell me that the expectations don't matter to the people in Fargo. For North Dakota State football. Because you're dead wrong. So he walks into a situation in college where he is taking over for a three straight national champion quarterback in Brock Jensen. And the part that went wrong in Philadelphia for me that is so peculiar. It appears that his confidence just eroded, right? They draft Jalen Hurts and from there on it's just a beeline towards Indy. I don't get, you know, how that happened. And here's why. When Carson Wentz was his in his last year, he broke his wrist against South Dakota. And I remember getting a tip the Monday after. Because, you know, he'd gotten hurt. And they had this. I think he played the rest of the game. They had this kid named Easton Stick, who's now in the NFL, um, was his backup, right? So I remember getting a tip. North Dakota State holds their football press conferences on Mondays, or at least they did when I worked there. I remember getting a tip from someone that said, and you know, Wentz has a broken wrist and he's out indefinitely. And understand that in journalism, if you get a tip like that, you don't just go with it. That's terrible journalistic standards. You got to confirm it. And this was at like, I don't know, like 1030 on Monday morning. Uh, Whatever time the press conference was. It was like an hour and a half before it. And I got the tip and I'm like, well, there's no way I'm going to confirm this before the press conference, short of getting a doctor or getting Carson, and he wasn't going to say anything. So I remember asking Chris Kleiman, who was the North Dakota State coach at the time, who's now at Kansas State, in a press conference, like, what's up with Carson's wrist? Or is it, you know, is, actually, I don't think I asked him that. I think I asked him, how'd you make out injury-wise to see if he said anything? And he said, everybody's healthy. We're good. Something along those lines. Should be fine. Hour later, Wentz is out indefinitely with a broken wrist. So Easton Stick comes in, and we're going long here. That's all right. We'll finish this and then we'll wrap up. Easton Stick comes in and does not lose, I don't think. North Dakota State lost that game to South Dakota, if I remember right. Easton Stick comes in, does not lose, leads them all the way to the FCS title game. And then all of a sudden, is oh, it's is Wentz healthy? Is he gonna play? Is he going to play? Is he going to play? He does play. North Dakota State wins. So if he was able to to channel the confidence of having to retake a job from a kid who was very clearly going to be the quarterback for the future for North Dakota State, who had come in and not lost a game and had been outstanding in the process, how is it that a second-round draft pick comes in and just ruins his confidence? Maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe we'll find out one day what it really was that went just dead wrong in Philly. But, you know, I root for a kid like that. Carson Wentz is a really nice guy. He's he's very spiritual. He's got a huge arm. He's exactly the kind of guy you want leading your franchise if you're an NFL team. So, maybe it works in Indy. Maybe he rediscovers the magic with Frank Reich maybe the Colts, who I think the Colts have really a solid base there, some especially on offense. You can hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor all day, then do it. Um, I think Wentz, of all the quarterbacks other than Matthew Stafford, and I know we haven't talked about all the different quarterbacks who have changed places, and if Deshaun Watson moves, then obviously that's going to need to be discussed, but I think Wentz and Stafford are probably in the two best situations of the four that we've talked about. And I think that Goff is in the third best situation because there's no expectation on him. You got the Chicago Bears who are going to put, whether they are or they aren't, their fans are going to put, you know, the midway on Andy Dalton's shoulders. Good luck. Morgan Freeman, Batman. You're going to blackmail him? Good luck. Whatever it is. All right, that's it. That's it for Friday. There's basketball on this weekend. Syracuse, Saturday night, late. I know you're all watching. Uh, next week, a little golf talk. Last tournament before the Masters, which means Ricky Fowler's got to do something. We're going to get into that next week. Great talk, everybody. We'll see you.